Hello everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is The Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its associate fellowship, The Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about how God is using us to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting around the world, go to traincpe.org. And to learn more about our local church ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. We're in Romans chapter 6, verses 2 through 5, where we have learned that the born-again person begins their new life by ending their old life. He is put to death in the cross of Jesus Christ, baptized into Christ's death, buried into Christ's tomb, planted with Christ into the ground, so that he rises a new person with a completely new life in Christ. And because this is true, we ended up saying that the true Christian does not have a sin nature. Now that was a controversial statement, and today I'm glad you're back so that I can explain that statement from God's Word. And at that time, your old self, your old nature... That sinful person you once were, once and for all, was done away with. You died. That's what he's saying. You died. It's been crucified. He doesn't say you crucify it. You work at it. You just keep crucifying yourself over and over again. You just keep dying to yourself over and over again. You just keep... He doesn't say... He says it died. It died. And in fact, you'll see this over and over again. Whenever you read the passages that talk about the old man, it doesn't refer to it. There are some translations that are not good. If you look at it, the, tr- the verb is always in the aorist. It's speaking of something that happened in the past that was definite and solid and firm that has continuing impact on the way we live from here on out. So on the cross, your old self died, your sin nature died, and the Christian no longer, and this is the part that might be startling to you, does not have, in a sense, a sin nature. It's not like I have one little angel on my side, which is the new man I am in Christ, and the old man over here, and they're both chirping between me, and I'm divided. It's not what it is. I'm a new man in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. That's what the Word of God says to us. Romans 6, 6 says this, Knowing this, that your old man was crucified with him. It happened. It's done. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we read it. Old things have passed away. Colossians 3, look at, turn to Colossians chapter 3 for a second. Let's look at another passage that refers to this. You'll find this in Ephesians 4.22 as well, but Ephesians 4.22 does not translate the verb, the aorist that's there. It doesn't translate it as an aorist, but as a present tense. But here in Colossians 3, Colossians 3, 9 and 10, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. You see that? You put it off. You've put him off. And you've put on. And he's been created. That's the language that the scriptures offer us and speak to us. This old man was our unregenerate nature, our sin nature, our spirits fallen and in rebellion against God. And that nature that had no natural ability to obey or please God, and that nature has died with Christ at the cross. You put your faith in Jesus Christ, that sin nature, that spirit, that was your conscious self behind your physical existence, merged into the death of the eternal Son of God and was carried away to burial and was planted in the ground with Jesus Christ, dead. Dead. That's what Paul said. And so as a result, this death has severed our relationship with sin. It severed our relationship with sin. It no longer has the same claim on us. At that moment in time, 
It was a moment in time in which not only was I justified, but at that moment in time in which I walked into a general life because Christ put to death what I was and gave me life in himself. He gave me a whole new being and a whole new existence. So we died to sin. And this is not merely that we died to a sense of its condemnation. It's not merely that we died to a sense of its shame and its guilt, but we died to its power. We died to its claim on us. We died to its enticements and its bondage and its addictions and its degradation and its defilement and its claim to demand our obedience. It's call to us to yield up our bodies to it. It's desire to reign in our lives. We died to all that. Look at Romans 5, verses 20 and 21. And there in verse 20, it says that sin abounded with us. And in verse 21, it says death reigned in us. But now, through faith in Jesus Christ, what it says is that grace abounds even more. And now we reign in life through Jesus Christ. What a switch. What a transference has taken place. Now here's what Paul is not saying. He's not saying because we died to sin that we don't sin. That's not what he's saying. Go to Romans 6, verses 11 and 13. You'll see that's why Paul can't be saying that. Verses 11 through 13, Paul says this. Even so, reckon, add up the numbers, reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to God and Jesus Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go yielding your members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God, to those who are alive from the dead, and he remembers as instruments of righteousness of God. Paul is not saying that because we have died to sin, he's not saying because we've died to sin that sin has died away to us. Sin still comes against us. We're dead to it, but it's still coming up against us. So what changed in the relationship? What really changed in the relationship? And we'll have to make this the concluding thought for today here and try to explain this. I'm going to give you a metaphor that the Bible gives us that would help us understand this. The Bible speaks about, in 1 Corinthians, about a woman who's married to her husband and the relationship she has with her husband. In 1 Corinthians 7, 39, we read this. The wife is bound as long as her husband lives, but if her husband is dead, she is freed to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. So here's the analogy some people would make. He says, well, you see, it's kind of like this. Somewhere that death, that old man, that husband has died of sin and you're no longer wed to him and you're no longer bound to him. But it's a poor analogy because it's actually not sin that died. Sin is still alive. Sin is still abounding all around us. It's, it's the old nature that was once you that was married to sin. Before you came to Christ, your old nature was... You didn't know where you ended and where sin took over. It was all a part. It was all intermeshed. And what God did is he took that old man, that sin nature, and he put him to death. And you died. And he put him in the grave. He baptized you into the death of Jesus Christ. He put you into the grave with Jesus Christ and buried you there. He planted you into Jesus Christ in order that you might rise again, not with that old nature anymore, but with a new nature. Made in the likeness of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, living and abiding in you so you're a new person in Jesus Christ. The husband's sin has not died. It's, it's you, the wife. It's you, that old nature, that very old spirit of you that was so bound up in him that's died. So now, sin comes around again. Uh, by the way, that's why Romans 6, 7 says this. For he that is dead is free from sin. Right? You know what? You're free. You're free from the husband's sin because you've died. The old man he laid claim to, the old nature that he was wed to and married to has died and the marriage no longer exists. But what happens is sin comes around and he, 
asserts himself like the old husband he was. He comes to you and he makes his claims on you again. He comes knocking at your door. He lays temptation against you and enticements against your flesh. And he tries to assert his husband rights over your life as if you were still his wife. As still you were still the old man you once were. Paul is saying that here's what you can honestly say. I'm not your wife anymore. In fact, that old mate that you used to hang out with that was once me has died and I'm a new person. He's dead. God put a new person, a new spirit, a new life with me. That old spiritual man that was governing this body, God put to death and drove into the grave with Jesus Christ and he gave me a new spirit and a new life that dwells and lives in me, created in the likeness of Christ Jesus. And now he reigns and he rules within this body. And as you come and bring your temptations against me, you have no claim on me. You have no call to make against me. Because now I no longer belong to you. I once did. I once was wed to you. But now I have communion through the Holy Spirit with Jesus Christ and the Spirit of Christ. And He lives and dwells in me. And I am in Him and He is in me. I am His and He is mine. That's the regenerate life. That's the new life we have. That's the claim that Paul is saying we can make. And so here's an application for you. When sin comes knocking at your door and temptation comes knocking at your door, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have to panic. It has no claim upon you. You've died and you're dead to that sin. And In fact, if you're yielding to it, you're yielding to a lie. Because it's not what you've made to do. And if you continue to yield to it, if you can continue to yield to it, and that's how you can live, it's because maybe you're not the new person you thought you were. You still have the old man, still raging and still bound to him, and you are just playing games and living under some assumed presumption that wasn't real. But if, if you've come to Him, you've believed in Him, you've trusted Him, you don't have to yield to Him at all. We can approach sin and we can actually speak back to it with a sense of self-confidence. And there is a time in which we can be confident. We say, we, how shall we? How shall we continue any longer in it? And there's room for a little self-assertion here because we're dead to that. Now we live in the authority of our faith and belief in Jesus Christ. We've died with Him. So Paul says in Galatians 2.20, listen to his assertions here. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Seven times in that one verse, Paul speaks of himself. But he speaks of it in the light of this death that took place and this new life that he has. And he asserts that new life over the temptations and trials of life that come upon him. I've been crucified. I'm dead. So, it's right. We can assert ourselves. There's a legitimate point at which you can speak of yourself. And it's when you're poor, that old husband's sin. Who has come to lay his claims on the old self and the old person you were and the sin nature you once had. Now you're supposed to speak by faith in Jesus Christ and by faith in his death and by faith in the life he's given to you. In Him, all that He is is yours. In Him, all that He's accomplished is yours. In Him, there was a certain death that took place, a certain life that took place so that you can say, I am crucified. I'm dead to you. I can continue only to live for Him. I've been made and fashioned for His glory and His honor, for His fellowship. How could I? How could I? It's not consistent with my new nature. There's more to say about these things. There are things we're going to have to... If it's true that all that's true, why do I still have all this roiling of sin? I still have all this confrontation that deals and comes against me over and over again. We'll have to talk about that. We'll have to talk about that later. But just for now, just for now, 
Settle yourselves on a truth that can begin to set you free. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, I am dead to sin. I am dead to sin. Let that be the first line of truth you speak against its temptation and enticement. Let's bow our heads. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truths, O oh God. We pray for the salvation of souls. Those even present within the assembled communities of worship and fellowship throughout our valley and here in this place. We pray for that certain and solid salvation in which at the cross an individual by faith meets all that's necessary for their sins to be forgiven and taken away and for them to be made right with you. And we pray, dear God, that they would have that solid salvation in which at the cross they also meet the demise and death of their own selves into the ground and into the grave and taken away and done away with in order that by faith they might have just life in Jesus Christ. His exchanged life abiding and dwelling within them. A new spiritual man reigning through the Spirit, governing the very bodies they have. Lord, we look at our lives, we look at our flesh, we look at our world, and it's out of control and we can't gain the upper hand and even when we do it betrays us. What shall overcome the world? What shall overcome these things if not the transforming power, the life-giving, regenerating power of Jesus Christ? Received, embraced, confessed by faith. Thank you for joining us at the Bread of Life where we gather to feast on God's Word. If these messages are feeding your soul, let us know. Go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links to contact us with a message of encouragement. Until the next time, may God bless you.